Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Well, I want to ask you which category you're in because um, every person in here probably falls um, in one of these. Uh, I want to ask you, are you a person who was far from God or maybe right now is far from God and your life has been filled with so much stuff that you couldn't overcome that really your only hope um, was ultimately found in Jesus, but Maybe this morning you find that your only hope is found in Jesus. But if you were to, if you were to really kind of calculate your value for the kingdom in terms of what God would do in and through you compared to everybody else in this room, you would say, I'd have to be the last. Like I just, like right now, if we were to kind of rank in order everybody in this church and their, you know, their spiritual power and this, their significance and their value and, and their goodness, I'm probably going to be way down on the bottom of that list. Um, you might also be a person here who's in a different category than that altogether. You might be one of the people that says, honestly, I think I love Jesus probably more than anybody else in this place. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and you're just saying, I mean, I love him. I am in a relationship with God and I love him and I love him so much that in a, in a big way, I kind of want a special place with him, special relationship with him. I just feel like all I want to do is get closer and closer and closer to him. So you might be the person who instead of at the bottom of that list, you know what I'm saying? And you're feeling like, like, man, I'm like the least person here. You might feel like, no, actually, honestly, I feel like that, that if you rank people in terms of their love for him, I would rank really, really high in that list right now. Or you might be the person who's in the spot where you went from the top of the list to the bottom of the list, like in one really stupid move. Like you felt like, I love him, I love him so much and I would just do anything for him and I just feel so close to God and I want to be closer to God. But in the midst of that, why you're so sure that you love him and you love him probably more than anybody else, you did something that just you never thought you would do. You just messed up so bad and you took a step that took you so far away that you almost feel ashamed to even be here. And you went from the top of the list to the bottom of the list. You know what I'm saying? And you're thinking, God, I just, I feel so unworthy right now and I feel so unworthy of his love and I feel like I don't even deserve to be here. All right, so, so, Put yourself in one of those categories. I'm one of the bottom of the listers right here, and, and I'm least in this group. Or I feel like I'm really close to him, want to get closer and closer. Or I felt like I was great until I blew it so bad that I just feel like I'm almost dropped off the bottom of the list. Regardless of which one of those you are, I want you to know that before you leave here, Jesus has something to say to you. I mean, and what he has to say to you, regardless of which one of those you are, could dramatically change 
how you see yourself and how you see the rest of your life. So we're in John chapter 20. And if you have a Bible, I want you to grab it. We're not doing it on the screens. And the reason we're not doing it on the screens is this, is I've just noticed that if I'll preach it without it on the screens, people are looking in their Bibles at what's being preached. Okay. So we're in John chapter 20 and we start in verse one. And again, I am quoting from some NIV and some old NIV and some other stuff. So don't worry about whether it matches word for word. I'm just wanting you to know that this is what happen. Okay. John chapter 20. Here's what has happened to this point. People in all of the categories that I've just described for you. One of the people we're going to talk about today was really close to him. Another was really far away from him and, and amazed that God would love this person. And then one of them was one who was at the top and went to the bottom. But all them and all those who had known and loved Jesus were in a place where they had just been through the most horrific experience imaginable because Jesus this one that they believed to be the Messiah had been crucified and was now in the tomb. And now it's the first day of the week and he's been in the tomb and, and very early in the morning, it says in verse one, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and told them, they've taken the Lord away from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Now, I just want to say this for everybody who's kind of wondering about this morning and what's going on in this morning. If you read all the gospel accounts, I want to tell you what has happened, okay? What's happened most likely, and, and it's so cool, Julie and I have been on vacation, um, and we've been enjoying it so much, and we've been listening to some Dee Henderson novels. See, she's like a Christian, you know, whodunit novelist, and it's so cool to read her interviewing different people and getting all the evidence. When you interview different people and all the evidence from the Gospels, from the four different Gospels, and you hear about the resurrection, you get all these different accounts, and when you put them all together, you realize what's probably happening is this is that the disciples, when Jesus was taken in the Garden of Gethsemane to be crucified, that most of the disciples ran away from him. Only two followed him, and that was Peter and John. Y'all remember that? Peter and John kind of stayed behind him, and they went in and saw what was happening. And probably only John made it to the cross where Jesus was crucified. Probably he was the only one of the disciples. The other disciples had gone. The women had been there, and the women, but they're braver, but, but less likely to be killed for being his disciples, are, are there at the cross, which is really cool. But now, this is a couple of days later, and it appears as what's happened is the, the other disciples, besides Peter and John, have probably gone someplace like to Bethany, and probably the women are staying there. That's where they were staying before this all began. And so they're probably back in Bethany. And then John and Peter are probably in Jerusalem, but they're in a place different than the other disciples. So these women, we learned from Luke, it was a bunch of women who went that morning. And they had all come, maybe from Bethany, and a bunch of women had gone to the tomb very early in the morning. When they got there, they could the, the stone had been rolled away. There had been a great earthquake, and the angel had been there, and all great things have happened. Well, these women witnessed that here the tomb is... And Jesus' body is not in the tomb. And what happens with Mary Magdalene is Mary Magdalene starts running back to go tell Peter and John. And so as she's running back to tell Peter and John what's going on, 
an angel actually appears to those other women, and there were at least five, but those other women, they actually hear that Jesus is raised from the dead, and they start making their way back to Bethany. Well, now, right now, Mary Magdalene has gone to tell Peter and John that they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. She hasn't seen what the other women got to see after she started running to get Peter and John. And the other women have already seen an angel saying he's risen from the dead. And Mary Magdalene, you got to understand who this woman is. For Mary, so many people hear Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And, and that actually came about because a, a, a priest, actually it was uh, a pope, preached a, a sermon in which he's talked about Mary Magdalene being a prostitute. There's nothing in the Bible that says she was a prostitute. A lot of people get her mixed up with some other people, like in, in Luke chapter 7, there's a very sinful woman who weeps at Jesus' feet, wipes his feet with her hair, and, and anoints her feet with oil. You remember her? Some people kind of get her mixed up with that person. Some people get her mixed up with the Mary who was the sister of Martha, who was in Bethany and anointed Jesus' feet. Mary, all we know about her is this. She had been possessed by seven demons. So I want you to picture this. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt like the stuff in your life had power over you and you didn't have power over it? Have you ever been at a place in your life, are you a person here, and you might feel yourself on the bottom of the list in terms of your spiritual worth and your value and everything else because you just hadn't been able to overcome so many things in your life. Now, this woman was literally possessed by seven demons. So imagine what that means for her in terms of the power of evil within her life and struggling with that power of evil. Now, I'm not talking about being possessed by demons, but there's a precious young lady that I know. And I remember her having some of those things. She had been sexually abused as a child, and it was just broke my heart to, to learn that she had been sexually abused. And then um, as she started growing into a young adult, she started making this, some decisions kind of based out of that decision. And those decisions led her into addiction to alcohol and or drugs. It led her to a place to where she was... Um, she actually had an eating disorder and y'all know how hard eating disorders are to overcome. So she had an eating disorder in addition to her, her struggle with substance abuse. In addition to that, she had like this addiction to guys and she had a draw to really bad guys. Anybody know somebody that has that kind of draw and she kept being drawn to bad guys. And so in the process, she's got all these things in her life. And in so many ways, this precious heart, this precious girl, um, reminds me so much of where Mary Magdalene must have been, where she's got so many struggles and so many things and so much evil stuff that seems to get over on her. And as that stuff gets over on her, sometimes it gets in her and sometimes it just gets control of her. Well, Jesus at some point had encountered this Mary Magdalene and in the power of who he was, set her free from that. 
And all of a sudden, Mary Magdalene had been set free from all the junk and all the things that had control over her. And she was literally delivered from seven demons, not just bad things and bad habits and stuff going on, but seven demonic spirits who had control over her were told by the Son of the living God, get out and get away from her. And all of a sudden, she felt free and she felt loved and she felt like God had taken her life and made it something beautiful. And so she loved Jesus. She did not consider herself to be great. She could probably consider herself to be the least of those who were the disciples following Jesus, the one least worthy, the one that's the least pure, the one who Jesus just had to, out of his grace, choose to love her, and this was Mary. So Mary had gone to the tomb, and all she knew is his body's gone, so she's brokenhearted. Well, as soon as John and, and Peter and, and Mary has just told them about the body being gone, it says in verse 3 that so uh, Simon Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. And it says in verse 4 that they were both running, and I love this, but, but this other disciple got there first. Now, the guy who's saying the other disciple is actually one who's writing the book. This is John, all right? So John is saying that I got there first. I, I love that. It's like, why did he even include that? You know what I'm saying? He got there first. I beat him, you know? Anybody here ever, you, you got a picture of this John guy. This is the guy I'm talking about who feels like, I love him so much and I'm so close to Jesus and I'm just, you know, he's one that had gotten into arguments with the other disciples over who would be the greatest. He's the one who brought it up to Jesus. He and his brother said, when you get into your kingdom, let me sit at, his, at your right and him sit at your left. He wanted a special place. He wanted to feel special. Anybody here ever just want to feel special? Anybody want to feel special? I want to feel special and close. How many people here want to want to be a winner? Anybody want to be a winner? All right. Now, I want to tell you, you are a winner. This is awesome. Um, you are a winner, and I'll tell you how you know that. About nine months before you were born, there were like a million little sperm cells, like those little tadpoles, and they were all racing for an egg, and you won. Isn't that cool? Have you ever thought about that? You began a winner, right? Here's the truth, is that as you have that desire, and so many of us have that desire, the thing about John, he described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had this, he had this closeness with Jesus and this desire to be something special. But by the time he writes his gospel, y'all, he's referring to himself in third person. He doesn't even name his own name. It's just profound that all of a sudden he realizes this, this amazing thing that as much as I want to be special, you know what I'm saying? And I want to be first and I want to be the winner. I want to be the greatest. He stops at the edge of the tomb. And so in verse five, he says he didn't go into the tomb, but he looked in and saw the strips of linen that were laying there, right? And having seen the strips of linen in verse six, he says, then, uh, then along came Peter, right? And Peter, who he had beat to the tomb, by the way, ran past him and straight into the tomb. And that's just like Peter, right? Peter goes straight in and he went in and he saw the linen um, and as well as, he says, the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, which was in the place where it was originally and, and, and wasn't with the other strips of linen, 
Um, and then in verse 8, it says this, that finally, the disciple who had gotten there first went in, and then you can underline this, it says, he saw and he believed. And so now, this this disciple who is so close and loved Jesus so much finally gets in and he sees the evidence that Jesus is not there and he saw it and all of a sudden it started clicking for him. In verse 9 it says this, parenthetically it says, they did not yet realize that Jesus, from the scriptures, that Jesus had to be raised from the dead. So all of a sudden John's getting it. He's going, oh, okay, now I'm beginning to get what's happened here. And then it says, so they went back to where they were staying. Now, in verse 11, it says that this woman that we're talking about, um, Mary Magdalene, she stood outside the tomb weeping. Her heart was just broken. And imagine why she's broken. Because this Lord who had loved her and been so precious to her, I picture the relationship with her based on the baptism of the young lady that I was just describing to you. I had the privilege of baptizing this young lady, and it was just the most amazing thing to me. I think out of all the baptisms that I've ever done, I'll forever remember this one. Because as we went out into the water, she was baptized in the ocean. As we went out into the water, um, I could see in her face this thing that said, He loves me. He forgives me. He's changed me. He set me free regardless of all my mistakes and all the things that I've done. She was the most precious example of what it feels like to just be scooped up in the arms of Jesus. Whenever we laid her into the water and brought her back up out of the water and just seeing the expression in her face that said, all my sin has been washed away and all the mistakes I've ever made and all the things that had me bound and all the stuff. And now she's this precious um mama of a little boy and I see all this beauty in her and I see all this stuff in her. That's Mary. And Mary's standing outside the tomb feeling like Jesus is now her Lord is dead. And so it says that in verse 12 that she saw two angels, that the angels were in white and they were seated where Jesus had been laid, one at the head and the other at the foot. In verse 13, it says that they said, woman, why are you crying? And at that, she turned around in verse 14 and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. In verse 15 it says that Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Have you taken him away? If you have, tell him where you put him in and I'll go get him, right? In verse 16, Jesus says to her, Mary. And so all of a sudden she's hearing the voice of Jesus realizing who it is, and her world just goes in a totally different direction. He's alive and he's come to me. I think it is the most amazing and beautiful thing that according to every account, ultimately what you realize is that Jesus could have revealed himself to anybody in the world and chose to go to the one who felt like he was, there was the least. It was a woman. In that culture, women were viewed as you didn't even take their testimony as as valid if it wasn't corroborated by a man. And he said, she's going to be the first witness. This one that would not have considered herself worthy, Jesus said, you're special to me. I love you. You're precious to me. Don't you imagine John recording it? He recorded himself as the one who Jesus loved, right? And yet 
Jesus didn't reveal himself to John first. He didn't reveal himself to Peter first. He revealed himself to Mary first. And so Mary had obviously grabbed hold of him just like the other women would in just a little bit. While they were on their way back to Bethany, they encountered Jesus. They grabbed hold of his feet. And Jesus says to her, in some versions it sounds like he's saying, don't touch me. What he's really saying is, is don't hold on. You know, stop clinging to me because I hadn't yet ascended to the Father. He said, but instead, I want you to go back to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she also told them all that Jesus had said. In verse 19, it says that that same evening, that first day of the week in the evening, while the disciples were in their room um, and they had the doors locked for fear of the Jews, I believe. Is that what does it say there? But they had, had the doors locked for fear of the Jews, that Jesus come and, st- and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, guys, we're getting to the point that I'm talking about right now. It's so powerful. By this time, Peter and John and the other disciples, all except for Judas, because Judas by this time is dead. He's killed himself, right? And so the other disciples and Peter and John are all gathered together. Very likely, the women were with them as well. And so that's not that, that, that's up for dispute as to whether or not the women were in the room with them as well. Um, so Mary Magdalene very well may have been in that room with them. If not, she would be the first to hear about it. But it's so cool that Jesus chose her to be the one to go and tell Peter and John that Jesus had even been raised from the dead and she had seen him. And the other women were sent to like Clopas. Y'all remember the one who was on the road to Emmaus that heard about that? They were the ones who were sent to the other disciples. He used women in the most beautiful and profound way, in a time when women were not valued, he said, they're going to be my first messengers and they're going to be the ones to tell. But the one I want to show myself first to, the one who's going to tell about me in the most beautiful way, this beautiful woman, Mary Magdalene, this precious heart rescued by God. Right now we see this picture of being in this room. I think she's there. We know for sure all the disciples are gathered together there, and Jesus says, peace be with you. Now, in chapter 14, verse 27, you'll remember that Jesus had said to them, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. In chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus kept saying, peace be with you. Every time he would get with them, he would say, peace be with you. I'm giving you my peace. I want you to just know it's all right, and everything's going to be okay. So now, guys, right now, this is the first word of Jesus to you. His first word to you right now, whether you're the person that feels down here, like Mary Magdalene, or you feel like, John, like, I'm closer to him than anybody else. Or you feel like Peter. I thought I was closer to him than anybody else until I denied him three times, and I felt like nothing. All of them are hearing the same thing. All of them are hearing, peace be with you. Why? Because I'm with you. When he gave those statements about peace be with you, they were in the context. Y'all remember, we just got finished studying it. They were in the context of him saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to come to you. And by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to be with you. So peace be with you. So tune in, guys, in the sanctuary right now. 
Jesus is saying to you, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. I'm with you. It's going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. So then it says in verse 20, after he said this, he showed the disciples his hands. You remember that? And after showing him his hands and he showed him his side, it says in verse 21 that they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord and they're going like, Oh, it's Him. It's really Him. But He says this piece next, and this is what we've been waiting for. We've been building up to this moment. So you hear this. you got to hear this. It's so profound and so important. Again, Jesus said in verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to get this. John's all about, I'm so close to him. I love him so much. I want to be beside him. I want to be near him. I want to be with And Jesus is saying, peace be with you, John. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. But you know how you felt my love? The disciple who Jesus loved? You know how you felt my love? That's because I came to show you the love of the Father. But now, John, it's your time to go. you got to go show that love. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you, John. Now listen, if you're a person who's close to God here, and you think that God's purpose for you is for you to snuggle up against Him and stay there, and you think that His purpose for you in this life is for you to just keep going to more Bible studies and be closer and closer and have more alone time and more quiet time. He wants that alone time. He wants that quiet time. He wants to be with you. But He's saying, look, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Guys, if you're a person who feels close to Jesus and you haven't yet heard Him say, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. you got to go share my love with them like I shared my love with you. you got to do it. Think about Peter. Peter hears this. Peter does. And Peter is, Peter's the one who's feeling right now like, God, I want to go hide. Right? I'm, because he hasn't even been through that whole process where Jesus reinstates him. That's going to happen in the next chapter, you know. He's at this place where I'm still humiliated and, and he heard me say that I didn't know him, right? He knew that I denied him three times. He's just in this place of I've been from here and now I'm down here and now I really feel like, oh God, I just want to hide my face. And he hears Jesus saying, peace be with you. I, w- I want you to hear it, guys. You've blown it. You've messed up so bad. You feel so far from Him. And He's saying, peace be with you. I want you to know that you're forgiven. I want you to know I've still got purpose for you. I want you to know I've still got plans for you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Yeah, you blew it. You messed up so bad. You feel like you're so far. But I'm telling you, I've got a purpose for you. And the fact that you failed, I'm going to even turn that and make you more passionate about sharing my love. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. How about Mary? How about Mary Magdalene, who's just at that place where she's going like, whether she hears it from the disciples 
as soon as they leave that room or whether she's sitting in the room and hearing Jesus say it to her. Either way, imagine when Mary hears, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Mary, why do you think I revealed myself to you first? Because there are so many people just like you, Mary, who are out there feeling so overcome and so overwhelmed and so far from me and so impure and so unholy and so ungodly and so distant. And you know the same way I loved you and the, the same way I brought you and the same way I delivered you from all those powers and all those evil spirits. Guess what? As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Man. So, so listen, if you're that person and you feel lowest, I want you to understand that God's saying to you, you may think of yourself as the least, and in my view, that makes you the greatest. You may think of yourself as the least useful. In my perspective, it makes you the most useful. I chose to reveal myself to Mary first for a reason. It's because she's the most important testimony. And when I said that I was sending out my disciples in the same way that I was sent into this world, Mary is right at the heart of that. This morning, we were doing our, our start class, and I asked this precious lady if I could share her story, but, but Terry's sitting there, and she's sharing with us, and she's saying, you know, when I first came, I had been around church for my whole life, she said, but one morning, I woke up, and I was just crying, and I couldn't stop crying, and, and people were asking me what's wrong, she said, I don't know, I just feel like i got to get out of this life that I'm in, she said, and somebody had invited me to church, and she said, I came to church. And she said, and when I came to church, the bottom line was, she said, I had been my whole life around sin and mess. And she said, and in that process, I had just filthy language and I felt so filthy. And all of a sudden, I started finding God's grace and his power to change me. And as she was talking about God's praise, grace and power to change her, she was saying, in fact, I was just on the phone with somebody recently and I was inviting them to come to church because this woman I know needs what I've got. And she's talking about that. And she said, you know, I always had a problem with profanity in my life. She said, I cussed. She said, I was, I was in a group where there were eight guys and one woman. She said, and, and I had a sailor's mouth. I didn't realize it until after I became a Christian. She said, she said, so now she said, I'm about like 90% there. She said, I still, will say things I shouldn't say, you know? And she said, she said, so I've got this rubber band that I will snap. She said, and if I, if I say a bad word, I'll snap this rubber band, you know? And she said, it's kind of a reminder that I shouldn't be doing that. And she said, and so I'm talking to this lady on the phone and I said to her, you need to get your AWS in church. <laughs> and she said, at about that time, I snapped my rubber band, pow. And she said, when I snapped my rubber band, she said, the lady on the other end said, I heard it. <laughs> And I thought, there's nobody on the planet, there's nobody on the planet that could call out God's grace and His love and His mercy to that lady on the other end of that phone better than Terry. And I feel like the witness of the, the word and the snap was greater than the witness of had it never been said. It was saying, man... I'm in the process of being transformed and I've got a God who has loved me and delivered me. Come join me on the path, right? And let's follow Jesus together. Anybody get chills besides me and say, as the Father sent 
Jesus for Terry. Jesus sent Terry and said, I'm sending you. You go. You share my love. You do that thing like I've been doing that thing. That weren't enough. Jesus then breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And y'all, when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, think back to the book of Genesis when God breathed life. You remember that? And made the man out of dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Think back to, to Ezekiel chapter 37 when there's a valley of dry bones and God calls the bones and the prophecy that the bones come together and then what happens? Prophesy to the breath. Breath, fill these bones and fill them with life. Take these dead bones and turn them into living human beings And then you think about what happened in John chapter 3 when Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you're going to have life, you've got to be born again. I'm not talking about being physically born. I'm talking about being spiritually born. Born from above, spiritually born. The wind blows and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with anyone who's born of the Spirit. And then Jesus breathes on them. He says, come on, guys, I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to give you new life. I'm getting ready to move in you. I'm getting ready to do something in you to where it's not going to be you anymore. It's going to be me. There was an old hymn that was written by, this has been since that day until now, this reality has been rocking people's worlds, that Jesus was saying, I am not going to leave you to do this on your own. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you, and I am going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to put into your heart what's in my heart. I'm going to put in your mind what's in my mind. I'm going to come into you and I am going to make you like me and so this old hymn that's written by somebody who knew that power says breathe on me breath of God fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do is that cool God fill me with your Holy Spirit so I'll love what you love and I'll do what you do I want to be sent like you were sent I want to go out with your power and your love and your grace And Mary realizes, that's me. And John realizes, that's me. And Peter realizes, that's me. That God is sending me. And he's saying, I'm going to fill you with my spirit and I'm going to change everything. And then he says this profound statement that will, that sends chills up your spine. It's in verse 23, I believe. Um, he says, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Would you, would you just hold on a second? Please tune into this reality. Jesus said it. I'm sending you like the Father sent me. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit and you are now going to be the ones. If you don't share it, nobody shares it. If you don't take it to them, nobody takes it to them. If you don't let them know that there is grace and forgiveness for them, nobody tells them. So when Terry's on the phone with her friend, if she doesn't tell them, nobody tells them. If Jason and Rachel don't tell these people in Japan, nobody tells them. Do you really understand the depth of that? As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they would, in power, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says... If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It doesn't get any more clear than that. 
How many people do you live beside whose sins are not yet forgiven? They don't even know. How many people do you work with whose sins are not yet forgiven? They don't yet know. How many of you are in a place like Mary Magdalene was at one time feeling, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless. That's where Terry said she was. She said, I was at a place where I felt absolutely hopeless. I felt like God couldn't forgive me. She didn't use the word absolutely hopeless. She said, I just didn't think God could forgive me. I had done so much. And then when I realized that he could, why do you think she wants to tell everybody she knows? Guys, there's an invitation. And I'll use the word but instead of the one that Terry used. You need to get your butt out of your seat and onto your knees. And you need to say, God, until this moment, maybe I didn't know it. But now I know it. As the Father sent you to me, you're sending me to them. And you have breathed on me. You desire to fill me with your Spirit that I may love what you love and do what you do. And if I forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If I don't, they're not forgiven. If I don't carry that message to them, if I don't go to them like Jesus went to Mary Magdalene, if I don't go to them like Jesus went to John, like I don't go to them like Jesus went to Peter, if I don't go, if all I do is say, I just want to be close with Jesus, that's all I care about. Y'all listen to this. It makes me heartbroken to hear how many people in their, in their C groups will say, well, I don't really have any unconnected friends. That is inexcusable. It's like an EMT saying, I don't know any people who are hurt. What? As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending you. So if you feel close to Jesus, he's saying, if you really feel close to me, you would know that I didn't leave you here to just feel close with me. I left you here so you could go out and reach out and love other people that they would be able to say, I'm a disciple who Jesus loves. If you're like Peter, and you're one of those people who feels like, but I've fallen so far, I've messed up so bad. What's so cool about John is that John kind of removes himself to the side and puts the focus on Peter and says, Peter, God used Peter. God used Peter. And God's saying, I want to use you. I went to that cross for you to pay the price for you. And now as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Get up out of your misery and out of your guilt and out of your shame and get to, to work because as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And if you're like Mary Magdalene and you came in here feeling like I'm the least useful, God just has made it clear, hadn't he? You're not the least useful. You're probably the most useful person in here. Let's get to work. I want to invite you to stand and I want to invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at Christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. 
Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.